Welcome everyone to the REST podcast, where our goal is to help each and every one of you displace confusion, chaos, and dis-ease in order to heal and find significance in life. I am your host, Natalie Williams, and I am here with the author of The Reconstitution Method for Healing and REST, Virginia Dixon. In honor of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we have with us not only a breast cancer survivor, but also the founder of EVE, Delissa Payne. Thank you for coming all the way from Oklahoma City, Delissa. Virginia, I'll let you take it away. Thank you, Natalie. Delissa, we are so thankful you're here. I know you have a lot to say, both about Cancer Awareness Month and your pilgrimage through cancer. And you have a lot to say about rest and the podcast. You're leaving with some really strong thoughts and ideas. You're absolutely welcome. I'm so excited to be here. I love this topic and you really speak my language. So thank you for having me. Oh, I'm so happy you're here. You have an amazing story. First and foremost, you've been a longtime listener. And when you joined us for this last afternoon of rest, you were just glowing. And you were so, so excited to be able to spend an afternoon with us really digging into what's behind rest. You just seem so excited to be there and just kind of have a hands-on experience. I think that was it. And so we were delighted to have you as well. But you have an amazing story. So being that you are a cancer survivor and your story connects many significant themes that are instrumental for people to understand, both to prevent getting sick and those who are perhaps wrestling with breast cancer. They can perhaps hear some principles applied that can be instrumental in helping them heal. So with that, I want you to just tell us your story. 2007, when you made significant life changes in vocation and in where you lived, it was a significant time of leaving corporate America and living out your convictions. So tell us a little bit about your story. Sure. In 2007, I started a ministry for women that are currently working in the sex industry. We are a group of women that go into strip clubs once a month, and we remind the women of their value and that they are loved and purposed. And then we walk out those relationships with those women one-on-one and build relationships. We're not results-driven. We're strictly relational. And how many women do you work with every month? We see approximately 200 women in Oklahoma City in the clubs on any given Friday evening, and that doesn't really scratch the surface. There are a lot more women that are working in this industry, and about 90% of them are suffering from childhood sexual abuse. You have an amazing story because from 2007 to 2014, that's a solid seven years of coming alongside these ladies and really getting the education of your lifetime on various fronts. Tell us a little bit about that and what happened in 2014. Well, I have had the honor through these relationships of standing beside these women in situations where their motherhood was coming into question. Their personal relationship with their moms or their capacity to have children? The capacity as mothers. So many of the women you serve are mothers and they're doing this to support their families? Absolutely, and they are wonderful mothers. And oftentimes they're judged for their profession. And so I had the honor to stand next to them in situations where 
perhaps their children were being removed. In the courts. In the courts, Uh yes. Mm -hmm. And just getting an up-close and personal view of what they're dealing with, the the trauma that they're, they're walking through based solely on their profession and then also being marginalized as as women in our society. We're going to do a whole segment on sex in our times, but for today, I want you to walk us through 2007, 2014. You're involved in this huge transition from corporate America into this you call ministry. And in 2014, this began to take a toll on you and you were diagnosed with breast cancer. One of the first questions I asked you when you came in my office was which breast and you told me it was your left breast and I helped you make the connection between the anatomy the constitution and the origin of that disease state manifesting in your left breast with issues pertaining to mothering caretaking and that was a big aha moment for you but it became instrumental in the work we ended up doing for a week In 2007, I switched vocations from the corporate world into full-time ministry, and seven years into that, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and I'm seven years into that journey, and I've been diagnosed two times since. Wow. Well, one of the things that was fun about having the opportunity to sit down privately with you is that you stepped into a conversation with me having significant clarity on what rest is all about. And as you know, I want to connect the spiritual, emotional, physical to these states of disease so we have the highest likelihood of healing, right? But before we can physically heal, we've got to emotionally heal and figure out what happened in our mind, our heart, our will, our conscience in negotiating the ups and downs of life, and certainly the role that our ancestors have played in everything. So it's been so fun to work with you because you came in and we hit the ground running. 2014, seven years into your work, Mm -hmm. you got the diagnosis. What was the big aha you left with from our work together last week? In 2014, I became a foster mother. And through that and other things that were happening in my life, I started to have pains in my left breast and a lot of emotional unrest, a lot of confusion. And I believe that manifested in my breast cancer. Yeah, in the kind of work you were doing with the ladies. Absolutely, yes. Vicarious trauma. The body keeps the score. Absolutely. We start connecting all these things. Now, there's something specific about your personal story and your early childhood developmental years that's also connected to this narrative. So for the sake of the listening audience and those who may also be battling or be challenged with breast cancer, why don't you talk about your early developmental years so they can connect the dots? Sure. My mother and father were separated before I was one, and I was raised by my grandmother predominantly until I was 13 years old. So my parents weren't in my life on a daily basis. My mother would come and go, and she was pretty much absent until I was 13. And then from 13 to 18, I moved in with her and started to develop a relationship with her, but it wasn't until 13. And Grandma and Grandpa gave you a very special life. I know you were out in 
the country. Yes. Uh, Grandpa was actually estranged from the family as well. Mm -hmm. So it was grandmother and my siblings. And it was a very beautiful, whimsical childhood. She was full of wisdom, and you remind me a lot of her. Uh, the language that she used, this language of liberty is what you call it. Your words are so rich, and listening to your podcast, it resonated with me. That strong wisdom that we inherited from my grandmother that's really been lost. And I think this segment of the story becomes very important because you mentioned that mom and dad separated by the time you were one. That means that one year prior to conception, I'm sure there was a lot of confusion and chaos in the relationship. And then certainly upon conception and those nine months in the womb. And I haven't talked about recall healing too much yet, but these early years are instrumental. Dr. Homer, and I've referenced his work before, and certainly Jill Barrett-Renald and the Pyramid of Health addresses that segment of time as project purpose. And so much about our life and the purpose of our life is really woven into the tapestry of our anatomy. And what's interesting is that displacing the confusion, chaos, and dis-ease and bringing healing to these women that to some extent mirror a little bit about the position you are in. Absolutely, they do. Right. Mm -hmm. And how that kind of became your purpose. And you've often referenced your current work. They're like your family. They are. And what's interesting about all of that is as you began to face the challenges in the institution and the complexities that comes with dealing with a legal system that is perhaps not just or equitable. We have a legal system, but we don't always have a justice system. And I think all of us are becoming painfully aware of that. But the conflict and the confusion that comes with that began to cause you a great deal of disease. And the association with your own early childhood trauma explains, to some extent, how the cancer might have manifested in that particular area in your body. It explains everything. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. I often say to people that my cancer manifested through working with these women and seeing the pain and the trauma that they were enduring as mothers. And then I had put two and two together as far as what my upbringing looked like. But you made the connection between, I often say, rest is really the reconciliation of generations of my family's history. And this is my leg of the race, right? Yes. And the culmination, and I'm going to do a whole segment on my own story so people can connect the dots because I want to inspire, instruct, equip, and motivate our listening audience that we don't have to take these dark and confusing seasons of life as devastating or as death sentences. We can begin to say, hold on, there's a lot of pieces here that I get to put together. And if I can just wonder about enough things, I can listen to this lady on this podcast that invites people into this place of rest to reason and mm -hmm. reconcile these otherwise confusing pieces of our life. And part of the reason we've experienced the measure of success we have in counseling cancer patients or patients in many other states of disease is to help them understand that there's this spirit working through a soul in a body. And each one of those constituents, the spirit, the soul, and the body, has 
wonderful things to unwrap that become essential in healing. And healing is about freedom. And amazing things start happening when you put these pieces Mm -hmm. together. And all of a sudden, the complexity and the darkness of these narratives and the fear that Mm -hmm. often emerges from these narratives, all of a sudden, aren't displacing. And so I think what, what touched me about your story was that you knew you could find something here that you were missing. And in just a few days of working together, we really brought form and structure Mm -hmm. to a lot of loose ends Mm -hmm. that you had all over the table. Yeah, it's really just the language you use validated the pursuit and the pilgrimage I was on of aligning my body, my soul, and my spirit and knowing that I could find healing there. I'll say in passing sometimes, you know, it's almost like I can control my cancer. That's right. I really believe that. And so a lot of the things that you were saying on your podcast really resonated with me. And I had never found anyone in the last seven years that was a mirror to what I was understanding about the journey. Well, I often refer to laws of nature that give life. They don't diminish it. That are self-evident truth. Truth gives life. It doesn't diminish it that speak to our natural affection. Natural affection gives life. It doesn't diminish it. And these are three fundamental things that I'll continue to talk about and unwrap for our listening audience. But that's really what began to resonate with you. Mm -hmm. Wait a minute. I have no idea what she's talking about, but somehow I know exactly what she said. Absolutely. So we're hoping to expand the reach of rest so that we can all begin to grow in knowledge and understanding because therein lies our capacity to live with wisdom. That's right. right. Mm -hmm. And rest is my native tongue, I would say. That's part of what the inheritance that my grandmother gave to us. And coming back into a knowing of that being the answer to reconciling these conflicts within that I was seeing uh, within society and then also internalizing myself and for those listeners that think that it might be kind of strange for this, you know, these cancer stories or this dis-ease to start a year prior or even all the way back into the womb, I felt the same way when I first heard something about that a couple of years ago. Wait, you heard explain that, what you just said. Well, you had mentioned the project, what did you call purpose. it? Purpose. Project Purpose. So I'd listened to a podcast. And that's really before we're ever even born. Mm-hmm. It's woven into the tapestry yeah. of our anatomy. Yeah. I remember <laughs> the first time I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's going a little too far. But I've learned that the things that I revolt against the most that I just think are outlandish are really the things that God brings me back to. Just that initial kind of shock of, wow, this is a truth that's unearthed that I would have never imagined And, of course, there's a link. That's wonderful. Well, we're looking forward to another great story, another great outcome from all this. I'm very excited for you. One big takeaway I had in working with you as it pertained to uncovering the mystery of those early developmental years, Dr. Homer and the work of many of several brilliant doctors, and we've mentioned them in past episodes, they concluded that the unresolved conflict of the parents, especially one year prior to conception and certainly during conception, becomes the biology of the child. 
And we uncovered several mysteries that were certainly conflicts with your parents and manifested in very real ways between 2007 and 2014. Mm -hmm. And that is your view of money. And it kept coming up in one of the biofeedback scans that I use. Money, 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 money was something that kept coming up. And I remember when I asked you to define for me or to explain to me what you think money did, every single thing you mentioned was negative. And I asked you a little bit about what was going on with mom and dad before and during and after you were conceived. And that was the seed of their conflict was around money. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Very much so. That was a big aha moment it for was, you. It was. Absolutely, it was. I the want meaning you to- we give to money, I feel like it, it's been hijacked somewhat. But to make that connection of what my parents were going through at the time of my conception and then my view of money. Yeah, now. because it was to some extent distorted. Yeah, and I just didn't inhibited. want anything to, you know, to do with it. It felt like it was stymieing my freedom. I don't mind it as a tool, but the love of money is really what I was trying to remove myself from what it does right, because of the meaning it, we give to it. Right, but that's what you thought, mm-hmm, but right. it's not in fact what was happening. Mm-hmm. It's the unresolved conflict in their view of money really tainted your perspective of it. And I thought that was interesting because it really began to affect and cause an enormous amount of stress in the work that you transitioned to helping these women that are marginalized. Mm -hmm. And many of them are mothers. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting because in resolving the conflict, it wasn't your conflict, really, it was theirs. And you kind of inherited it. Mm -hmm. And you began to build theories and a theology around that and a philosophy around that. And it was really misguided and not accurate. But it was interesting how we were able to connect that to a conflict they were going through. And just like that, Right. I cannot thank you enough. I, I mean, it really has held me back and, and held back the work that I'm called to do as well. I'm looking forward to going home and being free of that. And I, I remember the, the conflict that was happening inside of me, and that was that the organization that I was building was a nonprofit. And I knew in my soul that wasn't the path to follow. But I did it anyway. So Out of fear. I, well, that, and that's what people were telling me. I was trusting others instead of my own internal conscience, my own inner voice. Right, and then you see the conflict it creates, mm-hmm. right? Because it never felt like it was right. And for seven years, mm-hmm. it just slowly erodes for our profit, constitution. I'm all about, but in ministry, it, it just seemed like there was that one path, and it was a nonprofit mindset, and that did not feel right to me. Mm -hmm. And that was the moment of what you call just self-betrayal. I think you reference it as a a conflict of conscience, which is really what sin is, is how you explain it. It's an assault on our own conscience. And we don't realize it because we, if we don't understand these principles and we don't reason from principles, we violate ourselves. But we go through life feeling like victims Or like it's everything else that's broken around us. When in fact, we consent to these things. So that was a big aha. So Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing what develops 
from all this. You've opened up a gate. You've re- it's like you've opened up the prison door. I was sitting there with the key, but didn't make the connection that it was something that I inherited all the way back to the womb mm-hmm. and what my parents were going through and the struggle that they, yeah, that was the, the cause of the divorce really was Yeah, the finances. science, yeah, and the science behind this and the technology that's helping us access some of these narratives is unbelievable and it will usher in an incredible season of i think emotional spiritual and physical healing i know it will yeah because there's freedom in that Mm -hmm. and i want to encourage everyone i often say this no matter what you're facing no matter where you're at this is just your leg of the race and you have the opportunity to reconcile an unresolved mystery in your family Mm -hmm. so instead of looking at what's wrong or the brokenness, or regrets, or the shame of our past, or that of our family. I just want to encourage you to step into this place of rest, and really unwrap some of the narratives, and perhaps the lies you've been telling yourself, Mm -hmm. and I think you're in for a great adventure. Thank you so much, Delissa, for joining me. You're welcome. Thanks for having me, and thanks for all the work you do for everyone really i'm really excited for what's to come thank you god bless you thank you guys for being here for updates about rest and this podcast please visit our instagram or facebook the place of rest if you would like more information about virginia or to support and join the cause of rest please go to virginiadixon.com forward slash collaborate thank you for listening to rest with virginia dixon have a wonderful weekend Mm -hmm.